This episode of The Explainer is supported by daft.ie. Are you buying or selling a home? If it's for sale, it's on daft.ie, Ireland's number one property website. Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, sitting in for Laura Byrne, and this week, how exactly can you get some money back from revenue? It is January. We're all trying to figure out how to make 2024 a better year than last year. Even if you had a fantastic 2023, you probably still felt the pinch of the cost of living crisis. So a few extra pennies wouldn't be bad, right? Full disclosure, I am pretty awful at self-improvement, so not that big into making January pronouncements, but I can get on board with the idea of knowing more about what we should all be doing to be as tax efficient as we can be. Tax efficiency doesn't have to just be for the rich, you know. So today, we're going to help all of our listeners to stress less about letters from revenue and make the system a little less scary to navigate in the hopes of adding some euros back into your bank accounts. To do that, I've got an expert joining me from taxback.com, Marion Ryan. You are very welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Sinead. One of the reasons you are here is the explainer team had a light bulb moment after an office conversation the other day. A lot of people seem to not realize that most people who are employees should file a tax return because it means they might be able to claim some tax back. Why has that been lost on a lot of people? It's lost on a huge amount of people. So every year, the revenue themselves confirm to us that there's about a million of us that either are what we call balanced when it comes to taxes. And we say balanced means that there's no refund there or there's no underpayment there at the end of the year before you look at anything. But what's really interesting, about 50% of those, about 500,000 of us every year, there's refunds there sitting, waiting for us to claim them back that we don't even know about them there. And to be fair to the revenue, their job is to make sure that everyone is taxed correctly. So if there's a refund there, they're more than willing to, to pay it out to you. But the problem is, and the onus is, it's on us to go and get that refund. So to file a tax return and claim their refunds back. And a lot of us, we, we simply either don't know that we might be due a refund back. We don't know how to go about getting the refund back. And then there's a huge, huge amount of fear. There's a fear of taxes, fear of the tax man in inverted commas there, even though the vast majority of people who work in the tax office are actually women. But there is a huge element of fear out there around it and a huge lack of awareness just of exactly what we're entitled and what we can get back there. Even this time last year, actually not this time last year, it was October. So nearly three quarters of the way through the year, the revenue confirmed for the previous year, there was still 300 million euros of overpaid taxes sitting in their in the coffers there that they're more than willing to pay back to people. You just have to claim it. They don't have any facility to just automatically shove it out to you there. If it was a case, it was the other way around. If there was an underpayment, they have a way of reclaiming that. They can reduce your credits in future years and stuff like that. But we really should get into the, the mindset of it's January, the year is done, I can go get my refund now and then start claiming it there. And we just need to educate people about what they're entitled to. So the responsibility to pay your taxes on you, but also the responsibility to get your tax back is also on you. So in some ways that seems fair, but then other ways I'm like, well, if they if they, they can come yeah. after you for underpayment, but they won't come after you for overpayment. You, you kind of predicted my next question there. Why do you think people are scared of revenues website or scared of dealing with revenue? I think they're scared of taxes in general. <laughs> and it's one of the two things in life that you can't avoid. You can't avoid taxes and you can't avoid debts there. A lot of the fear would come from, we'll all have heard about Billy or Jack or Joe down the road there that went to the revenue to claim a refund. The next thing they got big underpayment. And I suppose what we do is we always tell everyone about the terrible thing 
that happened to us. So we say, oh, I went to them there and I ended up won 1,500 euros there. Don't do not do that. But what we never do, what we're really bad at is actually telling the good news stories. So Billy or Jack's sister might have done the same thing, might have got 2,000 euros of a tax refund. She booked her holidays and she told no one because she also probably had the fear of like, God, did I do something wrong? Am I supposed to have that there? As a PAYE employee, like ourselves there, as an employee, we have the assumption Ursula, look, my employer looks after all of my taxes for me there. There's nothing I need to do, which is correct and right to a certain degree, because your employer will deduct your taxes based on your tax credit certificate that gets issued to you every year. So they'll take the information off that, they'll take your income and they'll deduct accordingly there. But what your employer doesn't know and what kind of falls back onto us as the employee is they don't know your personal circumstances. They don't know if you were working from home, if you have had medical expenses, all of these different things that you probably get into later, the different reliefs that we can claim there. There's no obligation on a PAYE employee like ourselves to ever file a tax return. We can go our whole lives and never file one, but we should be doing it. We should be proactive and doing it because that's what triggers refunds for us. Yeah, let's get into some of the nitty gritty. First, just explain what exactly a PAYE worker is to our listeners. Yeah, so a PAYE worker is anyone that doesn't work for themselves. So you're working and you're working for an employer. So you're going to work and you're doing your nine to five Monday to Friday, you're doing your shift work, you're working for someone else. They're paying you your salary at the end of the week or the end of the month and they're looking after your taxes. You don't have any additional income that would make you, inverted commas, a chargeable person there. So you're not a landlord. You're not working for yourself as a sole trader there. You're not selling socks and shares all the time there. All those people would fall into the bracket of self-assessment. But the vast, vast majority of us are PAYE workers. We go to work every week. Our employer pays us. They deduct our taxes and we spend what, we, what we've got left with there. And the vast majority of us, we don't pay uh, attention to the top line of our pay, our, our pay slip. We don't look at what we get paid and any deductions that, that's going on in between there. We always look at just the bottom line of it there. What's going into my bank account? What am I getting? Because that's what really matters to people, what they can spend there. But there's a lot of things go on in between there that we should be a little bit kind of mindful of and keeping an eye on and saying, gosh, maybe I am getting charged a lot of tax. Maybe I can get some of that back there. So the, the bigger number you see there for your tax deductions, could it actually lead to a bigger refund for you? The more that you see there, the more we can claim back. Yeah. So you mentioned there that not every PAY worker has to file an income tax return, but they should. So what even does that look like? What do people do? Where where do they find it? What's it called? Yeah. So the first thing I suppose we should know as PAY workers about claiming back refunds is it's not just for the previous years. So we can claim now, it's January 2024, I have to keep myself updated on the years there. <laughs> so 2023 is open now and ready for refund and review. But you can actually go back four years. So it's not just for last year that you can claim a refund. You can claim a refund for 2020, 2021, 22, 23 and 24. Yeah, I probably said 20 there a couple of times but people don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so there's no obligation for us to file a tax return, but everyone can. And it's actually quite straightforward. So you can set up your account online on the revenue system. It's called PAYE Anytime. So you can log on to that and set up your username and your, your password and stuff like that. Or if you have a MyGov account, so if you maybe receive social welfare payments throughout the years, if you've got a MyGov account, you can actually log in through that there. And it's not as, it, it's scary the first time. You look into it. But basically, the way it brings you through the process is quite intuitive there. So the first thing it'll ask you to do is confirm your incomes. So you don't need to get any of the, some of the listeners might have never even heard of a P60. Some of us that are a bit older will remember getting our P60s from our employer. That's all online now. But basically, the first step is it'll show you up what employers you had 
during the year there. So if you're looking at it and maybe you had three employers and you only see two, maybe there might be a problem there. You might need to add it in. But 99 times out of 100, they have that correction, right? You click on to the next one. The next step is a really good one for people. They ask you what your account details are, your bank account details. That's really important to have that right because that's your that's where the refund is going to come into for you there. So make sure they have that right. And then the next step is where you're going to start finding your money there because it goes through all the different expenses. So it'll ask things there. It'll it, They kind of categorize it. So they categorize it towards like working. They'll categorize it to like personal stuff. So that's where like your flat rate expenses we'll talk about them a little while because there'll be a lot of people interested in them there your medical expenses so you pop it all in there it should take maybe 10 minutes kind of max to, to fill in your information in onto it there and what I would always say when it comes to that is the more information you can put in the better so it might take 10 minutes to fill in the form online there but it's worth sitting down maybe for 20 minutes beforehand and just having a think and thinking right well what expenses did I have in the last four years, did I go to the doctor? Did I have prescriptions there? Was I working from home? Am I renting? Am I paying a mortgage? The vast majority of kind of major life events always have a taxable impact at the background and generally it triggers refunds. So like if you got married in the last couple of years, if there was unfortunately a breakdown in a marriage there and you got separated or divorced, they'll trigger refunds if you became a, a single parent. Now, all of these things, a lot of it, you don't actually need to necessarily know the exact tax credit that goes behind it there. So if you let, if you punch it in that I I got separated on the 5th of October 2022, the system will all do it in the background there for you. And the same as well if you got married. And a lot of people, the kind of big pushback I often get when I ask questions to people and say, are you married or single for tax purposes? The first thing people say is, oh, I, I'm married, but I don't want to give my wife all of my tax credits. Or, <laughs> oh, I'm married, I don't want to give my husband. There's this innate fear as if we got married that tax credits are gone there and I'm going to pay more tax. Your tax credits for a married couple or if you're in a registered civil partnership, they're exactly double what they are for a single person, which means that you can both be married, you can be jointly assessed, you can split everything 50-50 between you. You'll have your credits, your spouse will have your credits, you won't pay any more tax. But because you're married, there may be a thing called the year of marriage tax credit that you can get. And basically, it's didn't if know about that. One, Definitely didn't yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. So if there's one uh, spouse that's on a higher income earner, so if there's one person paying 40% tax and if there's one person paying 20% tax in the year that you get married, you'll be taxed the whole way through as single people because that's correct and right. That was your start on the 1st of January there. But you're entitled, you're legally entitled to all the benefits of being married and jointly assessed, which means at the end of the year, we'll look at the taxes you paid, we'll look at the taxes your spouse paid, then we'll look and see what taxes would you have paid if your tax is a married couple and we can claim a refund of the in-between of it there. So the year of marriage is always really important. Also as well, if maybe there's one spouse at home looking after dependent children, one's out working their full time, the spouse that's at home doesn't need tax credits because they're not working, they're not earning anything, they'll be transferred over. So all if there's one thing people can take away from today is that if you're married, joint assessment is always the best way there. I'm probably after sidetracking the conversation there because we're talking through how you do do your tax return. <laughs> I was going to say, let's just go back a couple of steps. So when people log yeah. into revenue, they will see something called a statement of liability. So just let's get those kind of terminologies out of the way as well. Can you explain what a statement of liability is? And it's a scary name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like statement yeah. Of liability, you're like, oh gosh, here's my tax bill. Now, it used to be called a balancing statement in previous iterations of it there and it sounded much nicer and it was much more reflective what it is. Your statement of liability is basically your year end statement 
So it'll detail on the front page there all of the income that you had. It'll detail on it as well what taxes that you have paid on it and what tax you should have paid on it and the really interesting piece is about two-thirds of the way down on the page for people there it'll tell you what your result is so the result is what the revenue have now determined that you they owe you back generally nine times out of ten so it'll say refund of 1850 euros for example there and the very bottom of the page it says what it'll do so it'll say uh this is going to be transferred into your your bank account if you're married it might say 1000 of euros of this is going to go to your bank account the other 1800 is going to go to your spouse's bank account and then on the second page of it there it breaks down in a little bit more detail for people there so it'll break down the different tax credits that they've claimed for you so all of us as a PY employee are going to be entitled to what's called the employee tax credit that's automatically something that we all get there. We'll all get our personal tax credit as well. So you should see both of them showing on the second page right there. But you should see other things as well then depending on your circumstances. So if you have, when you're going through the steps there, putting in your expenses, if you've listed medical expenses, you should see them listed in there in the tax credits as well that you're getting. If it's a case that your employer pays for your medical insurance, you'll see it listed there. It's usually listed as MIR, so it's Medical Insurance Relief. If you're claiming the rent tax credit, all of the different things are on the back page of it there. And also on the back page as well, it'll explain the universal social charge that you've been charged there. So your statement of liability isn't a scary thing. It's just a scary name of it. It's basically your your end of year statement. But you'll only get your statement of liability when you file your tax return. Okay. And so people will have probably heard or seen an underpayment on their statement of liability because we, during COVID, we had the temporary wage subsidy scheme and people weren't taxed as a result and therefore had underpayments. What should people do if they do see an underpayment on their statement of liability? Yeah. So 2020 was a tricky year for taxes as well as everything else that was going on in the world. So you explained it really well there, Sinead. If you received either the the PUP, the Pandemic Unemployment Payment during 2020, or if your employer received the wage subsidy, the TWSS, both of those incomes, they were just, I suppose it was introduced really quickly. (laughs) There's a bit of panic and people needed money to pay bills, so it was issued out. But it was done in an cumbersome way. So there was no tax deducted at source from it there. So there are tax bills for some people. So some people will have an underpayment as a result for that. But it's not as big as we had initially feared it was going to be the amounts of it. So what we're doing for a lot of people now, so 2020 is the year that is there's going to be an underpayment. There could be refunds in the other years for you there. So if say if you have an underpayment in 2020, but you have refunds in 21, 22 and 23 there, we can offset some of the un- the refunds from the other years to clear off the underpayment there for you and it might still bring you into a refund position or even if it's a case that they're not enough to cover the underpayment and you still have some of an underpayment left at the end. The revenue are being quite good about it there. They're not sending out bills to people there. What they'll do is they'll reduce your tax credits in, in the next number of years there a little bit every week there to, to claw it back for you there. So you'll pay a little bit, more, a couple of your more tax every week along the way there, but you won't feel a big impact of it going, here's a bill for 500 euros and we want it, want it back from you there now. But I wouldn't let that put me off reviewing my taxes for 2020 or for staying away from it because that underpayment's not going to go away. So I mentioned earlier how we've got four years to go back and claim refunds. That statute of limitations doesn't apply when it's an underpayment. So if you have an underpayment from 2002, sitting down your account there, 
that will follow you for, for the end of days until we, we clear it off there. So the best thing for anyone that did receive any of those payments and are afraid of taxes as a result of it there is to file the tax return, put in as many expenses as you can because that will all claw away at it and bring it down a little bit for you. And then we'll get your tax credits reduced for the future years there and it'll be done and dusted. And it means come next year when it, hopefully you're in the mindset of doing your tax return every year and claiming it back you're a bit more comfortable and confident that right I'm probably going to get a tax refund this year as a result of it. Yeah what are the most common payments that aren't claimed by people? Yeah so the first one that people kind of know about and they just don't simply claim it enough is your medical expenses and when we say medical expenses it's any medical expense you have at all that's either prescribed by a doctor or carried out by a medical professional like a doctor or a physio or something like that it's 20 percent of that you can get back so it's any doctor's visits you have any prescription fees people often overlook prescription fees because you can't get out and back in medical insurance so they assume i can't get out and back them you can still get 20 percent of them back there and it all adds up so even if it's only 10 or 15 euros a month that over the space of 12 months and then even possibly over the space of four years it all adds up there and under the umbrella of medical expenses as well it comes to like things and we're getting a lot of claims in relation to this in the last couple of years is if you're diagnosed with celiac disease the gluten-free foods that you have to buy as a result of that is it's deemed as a medical expense you can get 20 percent of the cost of that back there and we partner with the celiac society and they tell us that it could be over 100 euros a week people are spending on gluten-free foods so you can see that can be trigger huge refunds for people there and the same is the case as well for diabetics if you have to buy sugar-free foods you can claim it back there and then dental expenses so your non-routine dental expenses so like your wisdom teeth removal your crowns your veneers braces anything that the dentist would give you what's called a med2 receipt an med2 receipt you can get 20% of that back. And I think every teenager in the country either has braces or had braces there. They seem to be a bit of a fashion statement <laughs> of late. So all of them build up and get really big refunds for people. Also as well, if it's a case that you're paying nursing home fees, you can actually get that back at your marginal rate of tax. And what your marginal rate of tax is, is the highest rate of tax you're paying. So if you're paying 40% tax and maybe you're paying for nursing home fees for, for mum or dad or for a loved one there, you can get 40% of that back. And that, they can be a thousand euros or more a week there. So that's huge. The medical expenses are definitely one people aren't claiming back. Just on the medical expenses, Marion, if you already get money back from your health insurers, can you still get tax back? So say your health insurers give you a certain percentage for GP visits or for dental visits. Can you still get that money back from tax as well? Yeah. So what you get is what's called your non-reimbursed expenses. So say, for example, you've got your medical insurance with, with Leia, for example, and you gather up your receipts and you've got a thousand euros worth of receipts and you send them over to Leia and they send it back to you and say, great, here's your 500 euros that you get back. Maybe you're only getting 50% of it back. You can claim a tax refund on the 500 euros that you haven't got back from them there. So if they fully reimburse you for it, you're getting the full amount. If you've got really good health insurance, no, you can't claim your tax back in there. So it's only on your actual costs. But as I mentioned there, like the things like your prescription fees and maybe your braces, stuff like that, they generally aren't covered by medical insurance. So you can get the full amount of them back there. But yeah, anything that hasn't been reimbursed by the medical insurer, you can get back. And do you need to keep receipts for all of these claims? So you don't need to necessarily send in your receipts with the medical expenses to the revenue there but it's it's advised the, the revenues lying on it is they'd be nice to have and they do have a facility there called a receipt tracker that you can upload everything onto we would always suggest to send your receipts with everything there because it's really hard 
to think and find stuff years down the line. So the revenue have up to six years after a tax return has been filed or a refund has been issued that they can randomly select any of us for audit and ask us to send in the receipts there. And the word audit sounds really scary as well, but basically it's just, just them saying, hi, Marion, you had medical expenses of 600 euros there in 2020. Can we see the receipts for them there? It's very rare that they, they do audit kind of PAYE workers like ourselves, but the it, it, it best practice would be to gather up the receipts and send them in. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. I would always suggest if you have very high expenses, so we do a lot of claims for people, say for fertility treatment, and that's not thousands of euros that people are paying. It's tens of thousands of euros. So we would always suggest to them, if it's a really large expense, send the receipts in from day one, because the higher the value of expenses, the likelihood it is that they're going to look for some evidence of it. Yeah, I think most people listening will be like, that makes sense. That's less scary. <laughs> Thinking of selling? Choose Adapt Advantage ads to guarantee unbeatable visibility, attract more buyers and get the best price for your home. Ask your estate agent for a Daft Advantage ad today. Let's move on to, to some of the nicer stuff. Uh, there's a thing called flat rate expenses. Um, I think this might shock a few people. Like Some of us can just get money back because of the job we do. Exactly, yeah. And that's it in a, in a nutshell there. So flat rate expenses is... It means nothing to the vast majority of people. What do you mean? It's commonly known as uniform allowance. So if you're talking to anyone in a hospital, if I, we go do site visits a lot, if you're talking to anyone in a hospital, if you're talking to a teacher, they say, I think I'm entitled to something in relation to my uniforms. Is that right? And it is. It's the flat rate expenses. So a flat rate expense is a tax credit that pe- certain people are entitled to based solely on their occupation. So it goes back to years ago when the, there was really strong unions and they were able to negotiate in relation to that for their employees there. So there's over 180 different occupations that get what's called a flat rate expense. And it's based solely on your job title there. So if you are a shop assistant working in retail, if you work in a garage or shoe shop, you will get a flat rate expense of €121 per year. If it's a case that you're an engineer, you'll be entitled to one. Nurses, doctors, teachers. If you're a really talented musician and you're in the National Symphony Orchestra, there's over €2,500 of a flat rate expense that you can get. And it's the easiest one to get. So when we spoke a few moments ago about the tax return and how to claim it, that's in the work-related section there. It's called a flat rate expense. And literally all you need to do is go in and select the industry that you're working in select your occupation and that's it done. You don't actually need to be paying for your uniforms. You don't need to send in any receipts for tools or or anything like that. We find the people working in the medical industry and teachers are their best at claiming them back there. The word of mouth has got around and the people know about it. Who we find are the worst at claiming back are the building industry. There's a lot there for people in the building industry and also the hotel industry. There's a lot there for them. Awareness isn't out there. They haven't heard of a uniform allowance or flat rate expense there. I can almost hear the clamour to the to the revenues yeah. <laughs> website. Another one that people often talk about is mortgage interest relief. Um, does that happen through revenue? This is, it's not fully online yet actually to claim it back there, but I, I would imagine any day now we can claim it. So this was introduced in the budget last October. And it's really targeted at the people that would have been on either a variable mortgage or a tracker mortgage in the last couple of years there. And they probably saw their interest rate going up possibly 10 times in the last two years. I know even talking for some people in the office here, their mortgage interest payment has gone up by about 300 euros a month. So this is a once-off measure that was targeted to get them. So basically, in a nutshell, if you paid more mortgage interest during 2023 than you did in 2022, 
you can claim 20% of that back as a refund there. Now it is capped at 1,250 euros, but that's a really sizable refund for a lot of people. There is one criteria around it there. So your balance outstanding on your mortgage on the 31st of December, 2022, it has to be between 80,000 euros and 500,000 euros. For ourselves, when we're coming to claiming this relief there, the really what you will need is your mortgage interest statement, for 2023, that'll be issued to you by your mortgage provider in the next couple of weeks. You'll need to go into the box <laughs> and route out the one from 2022. And you just go to the bottom line of it there. Total mortgage interest paid in both the years there. See the amount in it. Now they have, I would imagine in the next couple of weeks, the revenue will update their, their online system, their tax return system to include that mortgage interest in onto the, the expenses part of the tax return. At the moment, it, you can see, if you log into your revenue system now, you'll actually see a section that says mortgage interest relief, but that's not relevant to, to us. This is something from an old mortgage interest relief from years ago, but I'd imagine in the next couple of days, if we keep refreshing, we'll see it popping in there. You could as well, if it's a case that you want to do your tax return today and you don't want to wait around for it there, you can put in your tax return, include everything else in it, and you can use the My Inquiries function on the revenue website. So that's for the homeowners. For But for those renting out there, the rent tax credit, we've reported on it quite a bit in the journal. Not everyone who is Jewish is getting it at the moment. How do people claim it? Yeah, so when this was introduced, the revenue said that there would be about 400,000 taxpayers that would be eligible to claim it there and up until October of last year there, there was about 50% uptake on it there, about 200,000 people had claimed it back. And it's quite valuable. It's 500 euros per person. It's actually increased to 750 euros per person this year. And it's for anyone that's paying rent to a private landlord. So if you're renting yourself, you're the home you're living and you're renting for a private landlord, you're entitled to it. Also as well, what a lot of people don't realise is if you're a parent of a child in college, and you're paying rent for them, you can actually claim it there. So you, you might be claiming the mortgage interest relief for your home that you're living in and paying mortgage, and you might be paying rent for your child there. There has been, uh, as you said, there's a very poor uptake on it. I suppose there's a few reasons for it. First, again, it's back to lack of awareness. People don't realise that they're entitled to it, that they can claim it back there. And also as well, it's a case that part of the reasons that you can claim back is it has to be a private landlords. They have to be registered with the RTB. And you have to include their RTB registration number. A lot of people are afraid to have a conversation with their landlords to ask for that RTB number because they go, oh, yeah, great. Here's your RTB registration number. While I have you, Sinead, we're going to have to increase your rent. So people kind of, they just don't want to talk to landlords at all. If you're one of those people that haven't claimed back the rent tax credit because you're fearful of having a conversation with the landlord, you can actually approach the RTB and get your RTB registration number yourself. So you go to the RTB, you punch in the air code of the property you're living in, you'll be able to see there that it's registered, and then you just pop a message and say, hi, I'm Joe Bloggs, my details are this, I'm living at XYZ Sycamore Drive, can you give me the RTB registration number? You'll get that, you don't have to have any conversation with the landlord, and you can get your, your refund in relation to it. And then the last reason, I suppose, is that because there is that requirement to be registered with the RTB, as we know, there's there's a lot of landlords out there that are taking rent by cash and they're not going through the books. And now I, I think it's a lot less than people kind of perceive it to be, but there is going to be that cohort there. And if they're not registered with the RTB, then you're stuck in a situation that you don't have the RTB reg registration number that you can get back. I think that's a very small percentage of the people that haven't claimed back that are in that situation, I think a lot of it is lack of awareness and that fear of ever having a conversation 
with your landlord. That's a great tip about how to get your RTB number. Again, I can hear the clamour to the RTB website for, <laughs> for people doing that. Before I let you go, a few final quick questions. You mentioned earlier that the flat rate expense, you know, can be carried on next year and then it's taken off tax credits. But some people might prefer that lump sum at the end of the year rather than the tax credit. So can you wait to make sure that you get that lump sum rather than it just being taken off as a tax credit each month or week? Yeah, you can. So we've been talking kind of all along about filing your tax return and, and claiming your refunds back. But on that same page, so if you're on the PAYE anytime, if you're on your account on the revenue system, you can manage your 2024 taxes. So basically, when you say you're managing your 2024 taxes, is you can go in now and select the tax credits that you want for this year there. So if you go in and look at it, you'll always have, your, as I said, your POI tax credit, which is your employee tax credit and your personal one. But you'll see listed there as well the other tax credits that they've assigned to you. So it, it's rare that someone says, no, actually, I want to pay more tax to get it back <laughs> at the end of the year. But you can, you can deselect any of them along the way. And what you can also do is you can add them on during the year rather than waiting until the end of the year to claim a refund on it. So say maybe you only start ta- renting for the very first time next week. Your rent tax credit isn't going to be on your taxes for 2024 because you haven't ever claimed before, but you can add it on now. So you can add on your ta- rent tax credit for 2024. You s- submit it in there and they'll issue out a new tax credit certificate for the year with the rent tax credit or whichever one the flat rate expenses with them included in on it there and you'll pay a little bit less tax all year long. So you could do one or the other. You can bank them until next year and claim a refund or you can add them on now. I wish we could make this podcast mandatory listening for everybody. <laughs> so much good stuff. Um, what if you have some sort of side gig outside of your regular job? When and how do you have to declare that income to revenue? Yeah. So the first thing I'm supposed to be clear about is that all income has to be declared to the revenue and every euro that we earn is deemed as taxable income there. So there's a bit of a kind of misconception out there that, oh, if it's under 5,000 euros, I don't need to do it. That's tax free. It's all mine. It's not. So every euro has to be declared and your taxes paid on it there. But I suppose if it's a case that you your side hustle, maybe you earn 2,000 euros from it there. If the additional income, your non-PAYE income, is less than 5,000 euros, you can declare it in on your tax return that we're doing, the PAY tax return, the Form 12 there. On the income section, you can add in, add additional income and you pop it in. Now, the problem with that facility is that if you're putting it in that way, you can't claim any expenses. So you can't bring down your tax bill by claiming your your work-related expenses there. If your additional income is over the 5,000 euro mark, you would file what's called a Form 11 tax return. Now, it's a little bit more complicated. It's for the self-employed people, the self-assessed people. But the beauty of the Form 11 tax return is that you will be what's called a chargeable person. And a chargeable person, you declare your additional income and you offset your business expenses from it there. So if we say, for example, you are a hairdresser working in Peter Mark, maybe at the weekend you have your side hustle and you do some hairdressing at home there. You can, if you have earned over 5,000 euros and you're doing your Form 11 return on it there, it means that you can deduct your costs there. So the hairdryer that you've had to buy, the the hair dye, the brushes, all of the bits and pieces that have to buy their business expense, they're offset from your income before you pay tax. And so they bring down your bill a huge amount there for you there. But if it's only a small side hustle you have with a small bit of additional income, it goes in on the Form 12 return. Tax returns, and I suppose I'm talking about taxes every day, so it's different, but they shouldn't be as scary as they are. Now, if it's a case that you're a sole trader or you're self-employed and all of your income is coming through yourself that you're not a POI employee you can still file your tax return 
yourself but we would always suggest that you don't that you get an accountant or you get someone to help you with it and I'll tell you the main reason why is that's actually a tax deductible expense so it's actually going to cost you nothing to get it done but your accountant is going to know every different expense that you can use to bring down your tax bill there because the last thing you want to do is just declare to the revenue I have 70,000 euros of income there and not include any of your expenses because you're going to get taxed on every one of those 70,000 euros. Whereas there could be, you might have a, a company phone, you might have a company laptop, you might have a company car. There's all of these things that build down there. And if you have a good accountant and you say, my income is from renting a property there, their question to you should be great. And what are your rental expenses? Did you have to furnish the property? Did you have to do some maintenance there? Did you have to pay a letting agent or a property manager? Because all these things bring it down there. So people often look at accountancy services as an expense going, oh, I'm not paying that. I could I could do it myself. I would really suggest people do engage with an accountant or professional if they're a self-employed person. Now, you can do, you can do it yourself, but it's just... It, to bear that in mind, it's a tax deductible expense, so it's taken off your income before you get taxed, so it's technically nearly free. <laughs> what would you say is the threshold for that? Like if it's someone, say, who does have a side hustle over the 5k mark, would you say they should use an accountant or should they just kind of do it themselves and only leave it to sole traders to get the accountant? So suppose I'm coming from an accountancy firm, so <laughs> people probably take this with a pinch of salt there. <laughs> I would say anyone that's a chargeable person, so anyone that's filing a Form 11 tax return, especially even maybe just for your first year that you're doing it. So the first year you know it's done right, you'll be able to see any good accountant will give you their workings as well. So they'll show you what they've worked out and what's going to include in on it there. Great. So the message is get proactive, get filing, don't be scared. Um, but if in doubt, talk to a professional. Yeah. Our message is always, it's your money. Let's go get it. Like it's, it's, it's money sitting there. So don't be afraid of the tax man. Don't be afraid of filing a tax return. Ask for it. The vast, vast, vast majority of us will be due a refund there. And if you are in that unfortunate situation that maybe you did have the wage subsidy or something like that, and you do have an underpayment, it's done then. It's cleared your tax credits will reduce down a little bit in the next couple of years there. But by filing the return, you'll have brought it down a little bit because it's going to be what it is at the moment. If you put in your expenses, if you claim some things, it's going to reduce it down and make it a better situation for you. And then next year and for every year going forward, you should have it in your head. It's January. It's time to claim my tax refund. Marion, thank you so much for explaining all that to us. I think it was a really positive way to start talking about it. I'm going to start saying the tax woman from now on. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This episode of The Explainer was supported by Daft Advantage Ads, the best way to sell your home in Ireland. Looking to get the best price for your home? Ask your estate agent for a Daft Advantage ad today. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Marion for joining me. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by senior producer Nikki Ryan. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us so we can continue to make more just like this one. There's a couple of things you can do. Head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber or make a one-off donation. You can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a really great way to make sure other people can find us, listen and love it as well. Thank you and catch you next time.